Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. And guess what? The rest of the season rankings projections for next year, they're up. They are live right now on HashtagBasketball.com. Uh, we're definitely going to go over those. We're going to start using those as kind of a reference as we move forward with 30 for uh, 30 teams in 30 days. But if you want to look at them, go to hashtag basketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? Michael, are you excited about the team today? Not excited about the team today? Um... I'm not that excited about this team from a fantasy perspective, and due to um, randomalities in the molecules in the universe, I was born in a location that requires me to hate every sports team from this city. Oh, is that real or is that fake? Uh, Boston sucks, dude. Fuck Boston. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I don't know why anyone would like. Oh, if you're if you don't live in the Boston area, like root for Boston all you want. Living in New England, living in the Boston area, cool, whatever, whatever. But like, if you are not from Boston, why in the fuck would you like any of these Boston teams? <laughs> uh, you you have an affinity for the city of Boston. I don't know. I I you know what I like the city of Boston. Actually, I've had a nice time there. Uh, it turns just out just one. You've had one nice time there in your life. I've only been there once, so yes, I've only had one nice time there. Um, but it turns out uh, everybody there uh, is a complete asshole. So got it's got that going for him. Uh, well, there's got to be alienating everybody there. in Boston. Now. I'm sure there's some decent human beings somewhere in the vicinity of Boston, probably. This team, though, I mean, like when we're looking at this team, um, they are. We're in the finals, and they got even better, right? Like, they are a deeper team. Uh, Gallo may have gotten hurt and be missing some time. I mean, he did get hurt um, in the recent World Cup qualifiers for Italy. Uh, he's going to miss Euro Basket. Um, I don't know that we really know how much actual NBA time he's going to miss, but um, he does have a torn meniscus, so that stinks for Boston. But they're still... This is maybe the deepest team in the league, one of the deepest teams in the league. Like, they got a really good rotation, and they're looking really strong. Yeah, from a basketball perspective, other than Marcus Smart, of course, I really like everybody on this team. Like, all the players are kind of people you you want to root for. Uh, they're young-ish. Like, they used to be the, the young, hot team on the block. Now they're kind of like the uh, sort of young team on the block, but they're, like, set up for, you know, a finals run, right? They, they may be the best team in the East. Um, and all of their talent, right, should technically be getting better. And I, that is something I think is a little bit overlooked every once in a while, uh, is like kind of the meta idea of a team that has been together, that has uh, gelled together, together when they were younger, as they get older, as they mature into uh, their prime, which quite frankly, Jason Tatum's not in his prime. He's only 24. Jalen Brown's only 25. Uh, Al Orford is uh, older. Is is 88 years old in his prime. 88. Uh, and then Robert Williams is 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 going to be 25 this season. This is a, still a very 
surprisingly young team, but with a lot of experience and a lot of experience with each other. And that always really, I think, bodes well for a consistent fantasy performance. I would say that's all fair, right? And uh, they're they're adding in Malcolm Brogdon, really, and, and Gallinari. That's really it, right? I mean, Derek White uh, joined the team and traded on the last season. So, um, But I, I like those two pickups, right? Like, they... Went from a really good team to an even better team by picking up, you know, two really good players. Yeah, Michael Brogdon is very good, even in limited minutes. He's a pretty good overall player. Um, let's, I mean, let's start at the top. Let's start with a guy who I have in my first round. And believe it or not, Tyler, uh, I was in a uh, fantasy experts, I guess, mock draft uh, recently. And we're going to talk about that draft, that mock draft that we did on the show in a future episode. So definitely stay tuned for that. We'll probably publish the results of that draft on patreon.com slash watching the boxes for free. So everybody can go check it out. Um, And Jason Tatum went easily in the first round. Uh, I have Jason Tatum in my first round. Do you have Jason Tatum in your first round, Tyler? I have Jason Tatum 11th. So there are ten guys in the first there round. Ten, there are ten guys I really like that I think should be the top ten picks, and then I have Jason Tatum. I like. I mean, I think that is fair. If you think Jason Tatum is going to come back and return doing Jason Tatum stuff, like if you think this season he just comes right back at you, starts puts the say a very similar season together. Uh, with his incredibly good percentages, his good scoring, uh, his all-around gameplay, and he doesn't, and it's really hard to take a leap when you're at the already at the top elite level, right? Um, well, here's the thing: I don't right. know that he, that I don't know that right. he really has to take a leap, right? He finished fifteenth. Okay. Yeah. Now, in per game value, he finished fifteenth, right? But we got guys like Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving ahead of him, which. How many games are they going to play? LeBron James, how many games is he going to play? Do you want LeBron over Anthony or over Jason Tatum? Like, I don't, yeah. just based on the game's played factor, right? So then 15th goes to 12th really fast, right? Um, yeah. We also, also have some questions about what, Carl Anthony Towns? We don't know how many games Steph Curry is going to actually play. Uh, there's well, questions about Damian Lillard, uh, even though I'm way on Damian Lillard. Here's the other thing, too. Tatum averaged the fewest deals he's averaged since his rookie season last year. So there's mm-hmm. no real reason to think that like he's not going to get back up to at least that 1.2 level he was at in 2021. And those 0.2 steals are going to be enough to push him up even a little higher. And so you know, you're looking at the 10th, 11th best player just by getting you know 0.2 more steals with the 27 points, the 8 rebounds, the 4.5 assists, a half a block. Yeah, I like getting. I would love to get Jason Tatum on the turn. I think the temper, the temperature in the room that I was just in uh, doing this draft with other fancy basketball um, Twitter aficionados and other experts out there in the world uh, had him much higher than the turn. I think he went one, two, three, four, five, sixth overall, which I think is a little too high. Well, I mean, it gets into a debate of, you know, 
many guys that you mentioned, right? Like, what does James Harden look like? What does Steph Curry look like? What does Kevin Durant look like? What is how healthy can Joel Embiid stay? You know, all those names you mentioned, Damian Lillard, you mentioned Towns. Like, there is. I think we know what most of these guys are going to produce. The question, really, now for a lot of guys at the top is. Is it 70 games? Is it 60 games? Is it 50 games? Is it 20 games? Yeah, and I mean, quite frankly, we can't predict any of that for any of these players, including Jason Tatum. Yes, he's consistent. He plays pretty good, um, you know, game totals, uh, season in and season out, right? They're, they're, you know, in that he played 76 last season, 64, 66, 79, 80. I don't think we're ever going to see an 80 ever again. But, um, is he probably the safest bet for a plus 70 season in, in the top you know, 10, top 12? Probably. Uh, I don't know. I have to think about that. Trey Young seems pretty safe for a lot of games, doesn't he? Yeah. Maybe Jokic? I don't know. I don't know about Jokic. Well, I mean, and they're going to have the luxury, if those other two are healthy, of maybe sitting Jokic a little bit. Um, here's another thing that any European player, right? So Eurobasket is about to kick off or, you know, maybe by the time you're listening to this has kicked off. Right. And those guys are going to play a lot of games in a short span here over for, it's, it's from September 1st to September 18th. Right. So a little less mm-hmm. than three weeks. And if the team that wins, it's going to play 11 times. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then it's going to bleed right into training camp. So do some of those guys get rested a little more early in the season, like Jokic, like Giannis, like Luka, um, just because they have played a lot of basketball already? That's something maybe to watch. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. And um, I don't know. I like I like Tatum in the first round. I like him. The later I can get him, the better, obviously. I think that's obvious to everyone. But... Um, Man, I think after my after my consensus top maybe seven, maybe top eight. If I can get him eight to somewhere in that eight to twelve range, uh, I don't. I'm not gonna be mad at you for taking him there. Yeah, and right, and a lot of it we talk about this all the time, right? It comes down to personal preference, right? Would you rather have Tatum or would you rather have Towns? Would you rather have Tatum or would you rather have Lillard? Would you rather have Tatum or Trey Young? Like. If you're a Tatum guy, take Tatum. Like you're not. Look at the value of last year per game value. The difference between what are we talking? Like twelfth and eighth was you know one point five, relatively speaking, right? Like it's not that much. They're all very very close, and I think what I like to do is get those points because it's hard to get guys who can average twenty, almost thirty points a game much later in the draft. And it seems like, oh, yeah, there's always points on the waiver wire. You can always get, like, 12 points here, 14 points there. There's a big difference between, you know, getting a 22-point guy versus You have to have two guys that score 12 point points a game to get exactly. Jason Tatum. And yeah. even that doesn't really work because even if you have one of the lower scorers in the league, like Draymond, it's not like he gets zero points. He still gets you, like, eight. So... You know what I mean? Like, you get actually... more than me get taking Tatum and another play and another player. I'm also getting a 12 point player off the off the waiver wire. Right, and so that's where people don't understand it. Is like, 
elite points are elite points because, yeah, you could say, oh, well, I could get these two players that score 30. Well, okay, but I have a guy that scores 30, and I get somebody else. I'm still playing Jason Tatum. He's only taking up one roster spot. Right. I like Jason Tatum a lot this year. Um, I think a lot of people will. The rest of this team... I think is very interesting. It's a very similar t- team to last year, like we were talking about. Do we want to talk about Robert Williams right off the bat, or do we want to save it for the uh, if people listen to the whole <laughs> the whole podcast? Let's talk about him now. Uh, do we? Wait, what was the question? Do we want to make Robert Williams? Who cares? Who cares that we talk about? Well, Robert Williams. We'll talk about Robert Williams. There's a lot to like about Robert Williams. There's some things to not like about Robert Williams, though. I think. Yes. I, you know, we, man, I feel like we just have this rule of thumb and it applies to so many of these bigs, especially bigs with like good blocks. It's like, hey, can the guy stay on the court? It's kind of important. Robert Williams is another one of those guys. Yeah. And so that's really what complicates it for me, right? Robert Williams, uh, only 24, about to turn 25 in October. Um, Getting better every year. We've seen his minutes go up. We've seen his production go up. Um, you like to see all those things, right? He he kind of had the breakout season last year. The problem is, you know, 32, 29, 52, 61 games. Like, not great. Yeah. He has had this run of injuries. He still isn't playing 30 minutes a night. Uh, sometimes he f- fouls out of games. Um, but he does seem, obviously, seems to be getting better. He's 25, and he's not going to be a big point scorer, right? He's going to give you 10, maybe 11, maybe 12, zero threes, under a steal a game. The blocks and the percentages that are really going to bring his value up, right? 10 rebounds is really good. There's not a lot of 10 rebound guys, double-digit rebound guys out there. It's the it's the you know over two blocks, ridiculous you know almost seventy four percent field goal percentage, and then also shooting above seventy percent uh, from from the line is pretty good. Even though it's low volume, it's still pretty good for a big guy. Here's my issue. What's the temperature in the room? Temperature oh, in the so, room is too damn hot. So let me ask you this. Okay. How are you viewing blocks? Because systems like the one that Joey uses or or any of them, right? There is sure. such a small number of blocks. Right? Correct. Uh, having anyone... like any amount of blocks is like usually pretty good. Having more than two blocks, which projection wise on hashtagbasketball.com, our friend Joey has Robert Williams projected at two point three blocks which makes him the 20th player ranked on average. Right, and so the small concentration of blocks, right, makes those players kind of skewed up more than they should be, right? Right, if you look at Robert Williams minus the blocks, he really only has two positive categories, and one of those two is on very small volume. Right, six field goals a game. So, like, is that really even helping you? It is, but it's not. Right, like we got guys shooting twenty plus times a game. 
we're making a much bigger impact. Um, so I know it says Robert Williams was the 26th ranked player last year in per game value. I am not viewing him near that high. And this is why I ask you why, how you're viewing blocks, because sure, it'd be great to get his two blocks. It would, but what else is he giving me? Like I'll punt blocks and win the other seven categories before I take yes. Robert Williams in the second round. Yeah, and I think that's also the way I look at blocks with uh, Miles Turner being, like, the best example, right? And Miles Turner actually had some tools, right? He hits threes. Uh, but the rebounds aren't there for Miles Turner. The Here's way what I look... seems to be the case with with mostly big shot blockers, too. They A lot of the biggest shot blockers have injury issues. You got Robert Williams. You got Miles Turner. You got Kristaps Porzingis. You got... Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and, you know, the more you shots you try to block, the more physical pounding you're taking, right? Like, you're some guys running into you at full speed. Um, so I, well, I'll tell you where I want Robert Williams, but I'll let you go on, on how you're viewing Robert Williams first. It's a, it's a caveat, right? And I do think that's a great way of looking at it. And, man, I'm really plugging hashtag uh, this week. If you go to hashtag basketball.com, you can siphon out blocks if you you know if you like punting different categories you can siphon out blocks and you can see where these guys actually rank miles turner without blocks is 118th based on last year's um cat rankings go to boston and you get rid of blocks robert our friend robert williams is 66th overall in averages in an eight cat league where you are punting blocks so the way i like to do it is i like to look at both what they're ranked because of that giant skew of that small kind of standard deviation of blocks skews guys who get 2.2 2.3 blocks so high i try to find i wouldn't say the middle because it depends on what i feel like doing with blocks and it depends on who i take in the first round if I value blocks either because I want to match my first-round player or I need them because I don't have any blocks, that value, so Robert Williams last year between 26 and 66, that's like 46, right? So if I really need the blocks, instead of taking them at 46, maybe I'll take them at 36, maybe I'll bump them up a little bit into the, into the round. Depending, there's always a run on centers in that space. I certainly don't look at him based on the normal like Z-score ranking um, because of that giant statistical skew from block category. Even though that's, I mean, that's a win, right? That's a win. If you get Robert Williams and Giannis and another center, you're probably winning blocks. That's all that matters if you're trying to do categories. So I'm looking at Williams as like a fourth-round player. Somewhere in the 40 to 50 range, I think, is where Robert Williams resides for me. And it has a lot to do with what you mentioned, right? Like, I'm getting three... I'm getting four negative categories from Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting three positive categories. Like, he's a very specific player to a team build. And I... In the third round, give me somebody who can get me 20 points. Give me somebody who can get me seven or eight assists. Give me, you know, give me Drew Holiday over Robert Williams. Give me, 
I don't know. Name another player. John Morant over Robert Williams. Give me all those guys, right? Yeah, because, because those guys can do a lot of different things. Whereas, like, sure, Robert Williams' blocks are elite, but that's it. There's good rebounds. You know what I mean? Like, don't discount those. But The temperature could not be higher on Robert Williams. Everybody saw him in the playoffs last year. Everybody thinks he's going to take a big leap. He's very young. He might take a little bit of a leap, right? But where, where does that leap leave you to? Is the value he gets from those blocks is going to make his rankings look very high. You have to win more than one category. And the temperature in the room is so damn hot, he's going to go in the early third. You might even see him in the second round going. Yeah, and I'd much rather have Miles Turner much, much later in the draft who does kind of the same thing. In fact, kind of gets you better um, threes and almost as many rebounds. So I'd kind of like rather spend less on Miles Turner than, than Robert Williams. And a 1 billion percent do not want to take a guy who averages 10 points a game in my first three rounds. Well, and here's the other thing to say about Robert Williams. The minimum amount of games he has missed in his first four seasons is 21. Well, 20, because they only played 72 games last year, and he played 52, so they missed 20. The minimum he's missed is 20 games. So, sure, you can tell me... He's going to be super healthy, right? This is the Chris Porzingis argument. Oh, this is the year, man. He's finally going to be healthy. History suggests he's missing at minimum 20 games. So factor that into your calculation how you're going to do that too. I am not picking a guy who's never missed fewer than 20 games in the second round, who's never finished in the second round, who also really only helps me in three categories. I'm not doing that. I'm just, there's no way. I completely agree. We do not, here at Watching the Boxes, do not recommend people punting off the get. We do not recommend starting with a punting strategy. We we say, go with the best player on the board for your first two rounds, maybe even your first three rounds, then start building around that team, not to punt categories, but to ignore categories. If you can win, you know, 30% of your games on a on a on a category that you're ignoring instead of purposely punting. Well, that's that's more wins during your season, just statistically, right? Uh we don't want you to say like, "Oh, I'm just going to go for these five categories and that's it." If if you did came out and you said, "I'm punting threes, I'm punting free throws." Last year Robert Williams, right? Ranks is ranked 8th. You're putting a lot of eggs in one basket, and you're wasting a really, really good pick by taking him in the second round. And I even think at the beginning, in the beginning of the third round, if you really, really want him, you're probably gonna have to take him at the end of the third round because you're not gonna see him get through the fourth round. I don't even think you're gonna see him at the end of the third round. I think he's just too damn hot. Here's the other thing I think about, like looking at those punting rankings that doesn't really work out, right? Is like never really you... adds up. Right. Well, here's the the problem with it, right? Like, sure, you're saying, like, okay, I'm not paying any attention to these categories, right? But you're automatically, if you're going to follow that list, you're automatically losing those two categories every week, okay? So your margin for error goes down significantly, right? Because no one else is also punting those categories, even though someone always is. Well, and here's the other thing, too. In... In your draft, right, like, it seems like, oh, yeah, I got all these great values, right? But in the head-to-head matchup, it's eight categories. So you're losing two off the get. 
So now it's a battle for six categories. And the other person only has to win two of those to tie yeah. the matchup, and you don't win. So, like, that's where I think those rankings don't make any sense to me. Is like, sure, you can say, oh, well, I'm going to get rid of this guy's, you know, two worst categories or whatever. But, like, those still count. Yeah, you, so you can never. You're just giving those up. You're just going, you can have two categories on me every week. Yeah. That's you not can a never strategy leave... for me. I completely agree. I agree. You can never leave a draft winning all five categories. And maybe you're a lead in three, right? But two of them are going to be really, really good. And all it takes, right, is that for that person to be really, really good at the ones you're punting and to be better than you at the two that you're just really good at, and then you're done. You're done every single time in the playoffs. I think that's, you know, what a lot, why a lot of people have really good regular seasons and never win their league. Or just flame out in the playoffs. It's not injuries. It's not because it's the end of the season. Don't put those fucking excuses out there. It's because you're not able to match up against the other elite players in the league. You're a regular season team. You're not a playoff team. That I think having a very strict punting strategy leads to more playoff losses than it does wins. And I, I think oh, it, the, the track record in my long history of, of fantasy basketball is, is said. The same thing. Here's the other part of it, too, that, that you just mentioned, right? If you do have an injury to Robert Williams in the playoffs, you know, you're banking on his elite blocks every single week for him to be the eighth best player. So you don't get his two blocks. What are you getting off the waiver wire? 0.8 blocks? Whiteside. Right. Maybe, yeah. So, like, again, like, it also creates a layer on your team, right, of risk to injury that's maybe not there on my team that's built a little more capable of competing in every category, I guess is what I'll say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the team. There's a lot of really good fantasy players on this team. Let's go with Jalen Brown last season, uh, finishing in 8-cat on average, a 53rd overall, um, a great scorer kind of um, doesn't do anything else fantastically, does give you that steal, does give you that two and a half threes. He's like a really incredibly good, solid, um, middle of the pack, high high plateau type of player. You know, I have my tiers and I have the plateaus. He's either at the top of the first plateau or the bottom tier of like the tiered players up there in, the, in those first four or five rounds. Um, and I think Jalen Brown is a little overlooked. I think the temperature of the room yeah. is actually a little cold on Jalen Brown. Yeah, like, I, I, so for me, Jalen Brown and Robert Williams are kind of in the same bucket of players. Like, I feel all right about Jalen Brown, you know, just kind of sneaking in my top 50. It's kind of that, you know, fourth, fifth round pick. And I think some people are really overlooking him. And there are injuries here, right? Like, he's dealt with some injuries, too. Um in recent years, but I just like the fact that I can get a wing, going to get me some okay rebounds, going to get me some okay assists, going to get me some okay steals, right? Like, he's just good in a lot of categories, and then he throws the points on top of it, right? The elite points. So I'm actually a little warmer on Jalen Brown than most people. Um, I realize the injuries are a thing, and you know how I'm always big against guys with injuries, but if I feel like I can get Jalen Brown at, like, 60-65, which I've seen him go in some mocks, I'm game for that, man, because I think he's a top 50 player. 
his role is not going anywhere in Boston. He's only 25. He's about to be 26. He's heading into his prime. He could take a little bit of a step forward. Um, he also has the things that I like about a, a, a guy coming into his prime is or just a younger player right is that he's got some games that are like oh shit he's got some 22 10 and 11 games you know he's got these you know 30 or 50 50 points 11 uh, 11 rebounds uh you know two blocks and a steal he's got those holy shit games and while he might be up and down keeping him in that like 40 to 50 range like you're saying, if you can get him outside of the top 50, that's a nice pick. I feel really confident in his consistency on a team that knows each other. Like, you know, there's some players in that 40 to 60 range where they're like, oh, they're in a new situation, or sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. I'm not worried about that with Jalen Brown at all. I think he's going to be very consistent. I think he's a top 50 player, and I think you can get him outside the top 50 pretty easily. I'm with you on all that. All right, here goes. Let's, let's talk about the guy that nobody likes. Just even as he doesn't have any friends, people on the team don't like him. Uh, the city, no, the city of Boston really loves this guy. Uh, Marcus Smart, the guy you love to hate. Like, there's always that one guy who's out there. Like, Joe Kim Noah used to be the guy uh, back in the day that everybody loved to hate Joe Kim Noah. Everybody loves to hate Marcus Smart. He plays hard, and he plays dirty. Um, he's also one of the weirdest fantasy players. I can recall of just this guy who's of sheer will keeps himself fantasy relevant, even though I don't want to draft him and I never do. And I stay away from him so bad because his field goal percentage is so, so, so garbage. He does think he can shoot. Sometimes some games it's like really, really, really bad. The amount of shots he takes and it just kills your percentage. I'm more of a Roto player though. There's a lot of head to head people out there. When they get rid of the field goals, um, Marcus Smart's a much more palpable, palpable player. Is that a, that's a word, right, Tyler? Palpable. I don't sure. Think pal- palpable. I don't think there's a table palpable. in it. Palp to tables. I've been to a palp to table restaurant. It's very nice. Um, like still, Marcus Smart has twelve points. The steals are elite. It's one point seven. The assists are really nice, especially in a league where you know getting six assists is actually very, very hard to do. It's hard to find those types of players. And just Six assists is Marcus... becoming elite, Michael. As crazy as that sounds, it's becoming elite. It's really nuts. And, you know, this is the type of guy whose ADP is always pretty low. Like, the temperature of the room on Marcus Smart is always kind of, eh, I don't know really if I really want him. But there they are. Elite steals and borderline elite assists. Just the rest of the the rest of the stats are just, you know, especially the, the field goals are not great. Uh, fantasy pros against ADP went 89th last year. I think he's top 75 player just on the steals and assists alone, right? Like, you're not getting those two categories from anybody else. He's also going to give you decent rebounds and probably 12 to 13 points a game, which, like, it's not fantastic. But again, like, it's also not killing you. Like, in that range, you know, you get somebody that's scoring you seven or eight, you get Steven Adams, right? Like, that's a, a downgrade, but if you get 12, like, that's fine. It's okay for where he's going. Um, I think he sneaks into the side of the top 75. He's going around 90. I'm, I'm game for that. Absolutely. He, he's definitely under underrated. Do you think his production and or minutes get hurt by the addition of Malcolm Brogdon here? So that's that's an interesting question. I'm not sure how much they're banking on Malcolm Brogdon. So Brogdon has been hurt for, what, five straight years? 
Yeah, so, give or take. Um, I think that what the plan is is for Brogdon to be the sixth man and kind of you know, take some games off, but also be good. And I think Brogdon's the guy who's going to get hurt the most by it. I don't know how much Smart and Brogdon play together. Yeah, they might kind of be the types of where we're running our normal offense with Marcus Smart. I don't. I think you want Derek White out there instead of Brogdon with Smart, right? Just for you know for the defensive clamps. Brogdon comes in, runs the second team. Is Brogdon? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't think it hurts Marcus Smart's minutes too much. Brogdon in limited minutes though is you kind of a standard league player though. I mean, Brogdon, even back to his Milwaukee days, right? Like, when he was playing 20, 29 minutes, was a standard league player. The question is the health, right? Like, you don't mm-hmm. want to be picking this guy where you think he's going to go because he has basically, like I said, not been healthy for five straight years. Like, the most games he's played since 2018 is 64. Every other year, he's been 56 or lower. Like, that's not great. Um, but on the flip side of that, his per game value has never been below 100 in the last five seasons. Well, and that's what I mean. So if he's free, I'm going to have Malcolm Brogdon on every team. He finished 62nd at per game value last year. 52nd, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, up there. But again, like, he's not scoring 20 points a game on the Celtics. Can we agree on that? No. Um, so I'm where is he scoring? Probably like 14, 15 would be my guess. Sure. Uh, can he get you f- four rebounds and five assists? Pretty close yeah. to a steal. Like, Maybe that's... not four rebounds. Yeah. yeah, four four and five. That's what I mean. Like, that's a good player. and that's a solid player. And so I-, I think he's a guy you gauge the temperature on the room on, right? Like, if he's going super high, like last year he was 55th at Fantasy Pros against ADP. I sure as hell don't want him there. But if he's going outside the top 100, heck yeah. Like, I have him probably somewhere right around 75, I think. Like, he could sneak in the top 75. Probably want him in that 75 to 100 range, though. I think I want him much closer to 100 because I don't know what the minutes are going to be there with him and Derek White and Marcus Smart. There's enough minutes to go around for him to be fantasy relevant. If the minutes if they start preferring Derek White over Malcolm Brogdon or they just, like, run more Marcus Smart, then Malcolm Brogdon starts to fall into that, like, lower than 100 range. But if the opposite happens, right, if they start kind of saying, hey, running Malcolm Brogdon out here with the first team is actually better and his minutes start going up, now you're talking about a guy that could legitimately has been top 60, right, just in the last year with starters minutes. So... You know, it's a good, it's a nice upside to get in that post seventy five range. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, let's talk about the guy that no one ever talks about, Al Horford. Al Horford's great. How many leagues will I own Al Horford in? Last year every it was single every single one, one and he finished fifty eighth. Yeah. And you want to know? You want to guess where he was drafted last year, Michael? I'll, I'll let you guess. I am gonna say he was either undrafted or it's like a hundred and seventeen. He was a hundred and second in Yahoo. He was a hundred and thirty-one in Fantasy Pros consensus ADP. How many times do we have to tell you stop ignoring these old, boring dudes, especially the old, boring dudes who like just keep doing it year in 
in, year out, in limited minutes. Yes, the points aren't there, but he's hitting over a three a game. His percentages are crazy good. Yes, it has to be in kind of like an eight across the board eight category for him to be considered that good if you're punting, right? Uh, certain categories. I guess Al Horford ain't your style, but I don't punt off the bat. And even if I was, this guy does everything across the board, really, other than score more than 10 points. So uh, when you get a little bit of an extra game out of Al Horford, it's really, really nice when he's like suddenly scores 17 points in a night. And he is a block steal three threat even in limited minutes yeah i mean i think i'll hold horford probably on like every team i think you know if he's a pretty safe pick in that 75 to 100 range there's a good possibility that he's going out to the top 100 um and there's upside for him to be the 50th player again like why can he not do what he did last year i don't know i don't know why he couldn't do what he did last year he looked very good he looked very good in the playoffs yes um so, you can play, man. Dude's a baller. He is old. Do put that in the uh, in the in the memory bank, but I think you already know that the room is going to be ice cold on Al Horford. Don't don't be ice cold on Al Horford. Is Derek White fan, standard league relevant? Finished 80th last year in per game value. That's true. Is I I do think his minutes take a little bit of a hit with Malcolm Brogdon in town. Yeah, but out to the top 100, like, do you hate that pick? Like, Brogdon's going to miss some games. Smart's going to miss some games. Brown's going to miss some games. I think this is actually a guy that I will be more in on than a lot of people in the sense that I feel like it's not going to be great all the time, but I would not at all be surprised if he finishes somewhere in that 75 to 100 range. That's very interesting because Derek White's somebody who I think everybody was on last year. And we were kind of like, whoa, hold up, <laughs> relax. Uh, I don't think Derek White's the guy here. Um, and he wasn't. Now, tables have turned, right? And this is always a good time. Whenever someone who everyone is on, the sleeper of the year, uh, flames out, usually the tide turns so far the other way. Now people don't want to touch Derek White because they burnt him last year. Here he is on a team where he's going to play. Uh, I don't know if the minutes are going to be up there, but if they are, right, he's a standard league player. Oh, I think they're going to be there when you look at it this way. Like, sure, are they going to be there every single night? Maybe not. He might be closer to 25. But if Jalen Brown's out, isn't he the one getting the minutes? If Malcolm Brogdon's the one who's out, isn't he getting minutes? Isn't, you know, Marcus Smart, maybe even Jason Tatum, right? Like, if Jason Tatum misses some time, maybe they just go a little smaller with Derek White, right? Like, Derek White's their next best player. Especially if Gallo's hurt. True. I, I agree. Is there anyone else in the Boston Celtics after I trashed the entire city and um, every one of their fans? Uh, no, anyone I mean... want to talk about Grant Williams? I don't really care about Grant Williams. He's a nice streamer, but I don't really... I'm not excited well, about Grant Williams. And, like, there's just... There's no one going to have consistent value if all those other guys have the consistent value that we expect them to have. Yeah, suddenly Grant Williams has to play starters minutes. Okay, cool. Go get Grant Williams immediately. But, you know, other than that, I care. Yeah, but that's a Tatum or a Brown injury that you're not, you're not hoping for. No one's hoping for it. Absolutely not. I think that's it for Boston. Um, shout out to all the service people in Boston. You're all cool. I love you. You're the best. I wish your patrons were much nicer to you and tipped you better. 
Um, other than that, Tyler, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler P. Watts. And you can send me all your hate tweets at Watch the Boxes on Twitter. Um, come at me, bro, if you are in Boston. Uh, I, I do not mind. But if you actually want to support the show uh, with, with, with love instead of hate, uh, check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes. We're going to post the mock, the industry mock draft there. Probably going to post our rankings there as well for free. But all we ask in return is that, you know, $2 a month. Subscribe, be a Patreon, support the show for, you know, a couple bucks. And uh, it helps out the show. We would love you for it. That's it. That's that's all I ask. Uh, Twitch.tv slash watching the boxes as well. That's it for the Boston Celtics. We'll see you with the next team next time. Stay safe and have a good one.